Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is a survivor of narcissistic abuse. The author of Empath and the Narcissist, Raven Scott's mission is to bring relatable connection and inspiration to everyone's spiritual journey, whether you're healing from a narcissist in your life or finding your spark and purpose during a difficult transition. She is passionate about empowering people to break ancestral trauma, healing childhood trauma, codependency, extreme religious oppression, and dispel narcissism. Her mission in producing her own show, Empath and the Narcissist, a healing guide from abuse and PTSD, is through grounded and heart-centered teachings to elevate your self-help journey. She is here to remind you, contrary to your doubts, you are a uniquely magnificent person and you are here for a purpose. Her unique approach to addressing your soul's journey with astrology, spiritual modalities and effective exercises provides people with hope and clarity in their recovery from from a narcissist. Because everyone is worthy and you deserve love and freedom, the bigger goal is to dispel the power of the narcissist in our families, partnerships and systems, one soul at a time. Raven Scott, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. No, it's great. I can't wait to dive into this subject. It's a little bit close to my heart and heart because I've sort of been in a similar situations. Um, and I would love to stamp this out, help the people who are narcissists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we can. Mm-hmm. So we're going to delve into that <laughs> right. in this podcast. But like, yeah, and help the people who get entangled with these people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we'll go from there. I've got so it many is, questions. It is so e- e- very easy to get entangled. So, like, no shame, no blame, right? We both have. No. And <laughs> we're amazing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like, the one thing I've discovered, and I've been doing this podcast now for um, 18 months, nearly two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say 18 months, not two years yet. Um, and the one thing I've discovered is that anyone who's actually come across a narcissist they're from all different walks of life, right? And also their day jobs are like highly responsible, like managing people. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't, um, they're not like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to actually even state a, it's just yeah. everyone and anyone. They have Do you know it what together. I mean? And I think that's what's so attractive yes. is the narcissist lacks that confidence. They lack the drive they're very much like emotionally stuck in whatever state of trauma they experienced as a child. So they could emotionally be a five-year-old in an adult body. They could emotionally be a 12-year-old in an adult body. So they search for people to support them 
Um, but they have to keep on this facade, like they're just as successful or actually more successful, but they really aren't. They're just like little kids latching onto the leg. And so, yes, typically it is very successful, uh, very smart, brilliant, emotionally intelligent people who just have a really big heart and see that they do have wounds and, you know, try and help them, you know, try and heal them and keep, you know, letting them leach out our energy and thinking that we could fix them. So yeah, that's the Yeah, and it's funny because going through all of the stuff that I've gone through, I'm now very much like, don't want you in my life (laughs) with people. And it's quite, it is quite funny that you go, oh no, you're a bit broken. No. So don't even want to, whereas maybe before I would have entertained it. Now I'm like, no, no, too broken. I don't want to take that on board. I just want to deal with my own stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's interesting the journey you go on. So, look, let's go back to the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have your own podcast as well, right? Which yeah. is, like, awesome. Um. Tell us a bit about you and your journey here because you didn't, like, hit 20 and go, I know I'm going to start this podcast and it's going to be X, Y, and Z. And, you know, like you went through a journey too. So tell us about your journey and how you got to start up a podcast, which um, I'm trying to think of what the podcast name is. It's, okay, I can it's tell the you. empath mm-hmm. and the narcissist, isn't it? Or right. empath and the narcissist. Empath and the narcissist, which it wasn't called that until about a little bit over 90 days ago, by the way, I was trying to, to, I talked um, on my podcast. I started it in 2020 and I didn't really have any, like, uh, how do you say? Like, I didn't know where it was going. I just felt this intense calling to start speaking up about my spiritual ideas and journey. And so it was at first called unlock your destiny. And then, which was kind of a cool name too, but it just wasn't kind of catching on SEO wise. And then, so I, I then switched it to the thriving intuitive, which also wasn't quite catching on SEO wise. And I, I was like, why am I not just calling my podcast the same exact name as my book, which was a whole journey I can share with you about how I wrote that, which is called Empath and the Narcissist. And when I did that, I finally was able to reach my audience and know I'm talking to the empath and it just blew up from there. And it's quite funny because when I say empath and the narcissist, I think of Beauty and the Beast. Yes. I don't know why. But I think of Beauty and the Beast. Totally. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Yes, totally. And look, the Beast turned into a lovely prince. Yeah. I'm not sure you'd get that with a narcissist, but I don't know. We'll find out. Sometimes so, on the very rare occasion, which is why it's a fairy tale. <laughs> yes, but mostly not. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so how did you get yeah. to here? How did I get to here? Well, of course, I experienced my own uh, emotional and sexual abuse from a narcissist when I was in my 20s. And I I met him when I was very young. We were in church together. We were in a worship band. I was 17. Well, I guess I was younger than 17 when I first met him. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's kind of cute. But he was always like very aloof. And he was tall. And so I was like, he's out of my league, like whatever. So I just ignored him. And I went off on like all my other little circles. And then we did like a a camp over the summer and we spent like the whole summer together with with my other girlfriends and there were other volunteers there and I guess I was always the one that listened to him maybe that's what he liked about me like I listen to everybody like this is kind of my superpower is I'm a really good listener and I can hold space for a very long time for others and but I would always 
end up falling asleep as he would be talking his head off and not asking me any questions. Um, I was like, that should have been the first sign that our relationship was going to be like that. (laughs) He was talking, didn't ask me any questions and I fell asleep. That was always like what came back to our, you know, arguments and our rough patches in our relationship. And so it was, yeah, it was really slow. We were just friends. And then all of a sudden we started hanging out together by ourselves away from the friend group. And then one night, all of a sudden he kissed me. It was very random. It wasn't very romantic. Um, I don't know if he felt like he needed to make a move because I was talking about like moving on to some other guy. I forget. I really don't remember all the things around it, but so then that made me feel like, Oh, like I'm not out of his league, you know? And I actually got this huge ego boost. Like you're not nothing. Cause I really felt like I was a nobody. I was ugly. I was a granola girl. I was supernatural. Like, you know, I didn't really think I was pretty. I thought I was ugly. And so when he, you know, who is this really tall, handsome person for his age, and then he's had these gorgeous relatives, like his mother, grandmother, everyone was like gorgeous. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I've arrived. And I feel like they do that where they like promise you stuff and they really make you feel extremely loved and elevated so that you like have a really strong like connection to them so that when they start to, their mask starts to slip or they start to put you down in certain subtle ways, you dismiss it. Cause you're like, oh, well at the beginning, this was how it was. So you keep clinging on to that feeling they made you feel in the beginning, hoping that that would return. And so, you know, things just progressively got worse as each element of a relationship escalated into more commitment, you know, deep diving, like moving into with each other. And then I pushed for him to get married after eight years of being together. I was like, what are we doing? Are we going to like have a normal life? Like I can't keep on going like this. And all the while we were struggling, you know, like I said, it was sexual abuse. So it was always like every time something would happen in bed, um, I would either pass out, see like foreshadowing of our relationship (laughs) or because, you know, it was like hours and hours and it would be like drink after drink and it just like wouldn't finish. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. So let's like, you know, let's keep on, like, let's go to bed. I've got to work in the morning, right? Didn't consider my needs. I had to work in the morning. Really didn't, it was all about the show for him and like what he was getting out of it. Like he was making a movie almost, you know, out of the whole thing for his experience. And so when he was either disappointed or I looked bored or like super drunk or passing out, he would be disgusted. He'd be like, oh, you know, and he would just totally pull and remove his love and intimacy away from me. And sometimes it would end up in a really bad argument. We'd be yelling and I would be really hurt. Uh, and then even one time he locked me out just in my underwear on the balcony. Like it was cold and sprinkly and there was no way, like it was on this like weird, like cliff hill. So there was actually no way for me to exit the balcony. It was like horribly fire unsafe by the way like if there's a fire I don't know what we would have done but yeah and so I had to like beg and he just sat there with this really devious smile on his face like enjoying me begging while I'm naked outside cold and then I ended up he still didn't open it and you know he walked away so I sat on the patio chairs freezing just praying that he'll open it it's like the way that they mentally control you with their powerful like sadistic ways is what's abusive, right? It's, yeah. it's just, yeah, I've just been through so many different crazy things. I kept trying and trying and fixing myself to make it better. 
And it just never got better, right? It always got worse and worse. It was it, like, yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with you. Like, I, my son was six months old when I thought, oh, well, I need to, I need to get help. Yeah. It's, it's something about me, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I need to get, you know, like, I've just had a baby. Maybe it's, um, you know, um, postpartum depression or whatever. Mm. And so um, I was like, I didn't want to harm my child. I love my child. I thought he was awesome, right? Yeah. But I just found myself in a, such a depressive state um, because of my situation. I mean, like, I did everything. I did right. everything. He right. would cook. I have to say he would come home and cook. Mm-hmm. But I did everything, right? So when my child cried, I went to get him. I put him to bed. I bathed him. I did absolutely everything and there would be days where I would be at home with my child he would finish work go down the pub drink Mm. turn and then come home at like seven o'clock at night and then I'd be like where have you been like what's going because I'm stuck in ass with a child and I'm like where have you been he'd come in and just cook and he'd go I just um Oh, work was late or it's just the lies mm-hmm. the lies mm-hmm. that occurred and the drink driving and all of the various different others yeah and so I went and got help because I thought well mm-hmm. maybe it's I'm just depressed maybe it's me <laughs> I don't know um and thank god I did because then yeah. through that counseling they were like uh don't you think you know, it's 50-50, like, you know, isn't it? Like, because I was going, I don't mm-hmm. want to destroy my son's life by be- by having him come from a broken family. And they're like, well, uh, I don't think you are. <laughs> Just take a look at yourself. Um, but, yeah, no, wow. Wow, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's always the, the it's really difficult because it is heartbreaking yeah. to break up a family, right? And that's not what you want to do. But when you're in the situation where there is domestic abuse, violence, emotional or physical, that's where it is unhealthy. Like it's more unhealthy for the child to grow up in that, more traumatizing than to be removed from that and just have two different households or one household and the other one doesn't get any custody, yeah. whatever you can do, depending on and, the And the thing is, right, and there's, there's been research that basically says as long as a child has one stable, secure parent mm. that they can rely on, right, it's, you know, they grow up to, you know, um, be healthy individuals, hopefully. Um, we can't guarantee that with everyone, but, you know, like, and that's, and that's, my only and and in a way starting this podcast for me was I need to break cycles of things that are in my life as well as I need to break the cycles of things that potentially could affect him so in a way that's one of the reasons I sort of started this because I needed the tools and I know there's other single parents out there who Mm -hmm. need tools fathers and mothers so yeah and that's how why I wrote my book and that's why when I was pregnant with my first and I found out that I was having a girl I said before I knew And I was still going to church at the moment. Now I'm very much like I love the spiritual realm and goddess, divine, whatever you want to call God. But I was like, okay, God, if I, if this comes that she's a girl, if I'm having a girl, then I have a lot of work to do. Like, because this is not going to happen again. Like the cycle stops here. Yeah, And then the the results came and I was like, Okay, buckling down, taking all the different spiritual routes, doing all the self-improvement, reading as many books as I can, studying, became a certified meditation teacher. And that's really where the spiritual journey of healing, you know, began. I did therapy and counseling before that, which was wonderful because it helped me label and affirm, yes, you were emotionally abused. 
Yes, absolutely. And have you considered, do you know what codependency is? And I was like, no, I'm not codependent. No, what are you talking about? You know, and then she's like, just research it. (laughs) She didn't even like tell me that I was. And then I was like, oh, I am in every single way with every single relationship. I was codependent because as an empath, I felt like I needed to make sure everyone was good so I could be good because I would feel the, all the stress and emotions and try and fix everybody. I was always trying to fix him and this, then that, and that friend in this situation. And it always ended up badly. And I didn't understand. It's like, cause it's not our job to fix them. It's only our job to show, like show them love and hold space for them and be there, but not to fix them. And I think that's the, the tricky part between the empath and the narcissist that a lot of times I talk in my show, like we are but one, right? We are the light and the dark within ourselves, our own soul, like our ego and our soul are struggling. And not to say that you're a narcissist at all. I think a lot of people throw that term around, but it's just like, there's a dark path and a light path. And some of us are struggling on that. And we're, we're kind of being a little bit like I was being arrogant, thinking that I could fix him. That was my dark shadow and staying but then when I could just hold space and forgive him from the distance, obviously I left. I tried to move out multiple times, seven, finally did on the eight. Oh my God, me too. Yeah, it's the average number, by the way. So yes, we are in oh that my, average uh, pool. It, it's just, that's yeah. very strange that you say that because it is like I was going, right, okay. I even got accepted for a rental house. So I mm-hmm. basically went and I looked around like, yeah. He would be at work and because I was at home with a baby, right? So I would go around and I would look uh, for rental properties. Um, and then I thought, right, I'll just drop the mic. I'll drop the mic. I'll drop the bomb and go, right, I've been accepted for it. I'm moving out because I knew he wouldn't leave. And, um, yeah, and I went and did that and I accepted for one. And then I was like, okay, I, um, I'm basically going to not leave and when it got to that point, when it got to that point, I like said, right, this is what I'm going to do. He was like, well, um, and then I backed out and then I backed out. And I'm like, why did I back out? Because he promised you he would change. I can't remember, but probably yeah, yeah, pro- that was, yeah, more For than me, likely. I always took responsibility. Mm-hmm. More than likely, yes. That or you felt like you, you overreacted. Yes. Like yeah, I always felt like I overreacted in these arguments and that I should not have moved out. Yeah. You feel so guilty that you overreacted and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. But it's like, that's just because they've pushed you so far and you're reacting in a normal way. But again, because they've groomed you and conditioned you to think that you are always kind of crazy and you are always extra sensitive and you overreact to things and they don't ever do anything wrong and they gaslight you about what actually happened. Then as you're processing it, you're like, well, I guess, I mean, I really do love this person. So I guess I re- overreacted. And then I would always reach out, apologize. And then he would be like, oh, you know, it's okay. Blah, blah, blah. If, if you just do this, it'll be all, it'll be great. It'll be fine. I'd be like, okay. Like, and I would always take responsibility. I was always a fixer. I'm like, I can do that. But of course it didn't fix it because he wasn't taking responsibility on his end. Exactly. It was never going to be fixed. Exactly. And I think that's what you have to accept as well, isn't it? You have to go, I 
they are the person who needs to change themselves, right? I can't fix them. I can't change them. I can't do that with anyone, right? I can't do that with anyone. I can only do that with myself. Not even your children can you really? sort of, you can influence your children, but your children have your own, they have their own personalities. They have their own wants and needs, their own, you know, hopefully you instill your own values and behaviours on them, right? And um, please and thank you and all of those sort of things. But at the end of the day, they're their own little personalities, right? So... They have their personality. Oh, really? Because that's perfect because that's really what I preach about the narcissist. You have to treat them like a little child because they've lacked, they've lacked that guidance. What really is, is the boundaries with consequences, right? If you want to raise a strong, responsible child, you have predetermined boundaries and consequences. If you react like this, which it's unacceptable and therefore you will have less time on your iPad or whatever the consequences same yeah. thing with the narcissist. They are giant babies stuck in this emotional realm because their circumstances in life pretty much set them up to get whatever they wanted or they were neglected. So either way, they weren't getting proper boundaries and consequences. And so as an adult... So either side of the spectrum, basically, side, neglected yeah, yeah. and ignored or... Or spoiled they and they were treated like the spouse with the mother or whatever, you know? Or they were given everything because there was a special child and the, the parent felt guilty for making a bad mistake and putting their child through a lot of trauma. Like, let's say it was a really bad divorce, you know? And so that child learns to just, that's how it is. And that's how it always will be. I'll get my way. I'll be able to push everyone's boundaries. And really, if they don't say anything, then that is allowed. You're allowing it too. You're just like the enabling parent or the neglectful parent. Either way, for that person to grow you have to start laying up your boundaries which protects you as well because they're going to drain you as much as they can because they don't have what you have wow yeah no you're you're right you're right so so how let's let's go back right how do they start to control you if people were listening to this and they were like well i don't know if i'm in that situation or not it sounds like i am but like how and and also well i'm um, I've got so many questions, but like, let's go to that. How do they start, yeah, they start controlling to you? do the controlling? How do they start? Because you and I are intelligent, like independent, yeah. right? Intelligent, independent women who, you know, we're not stupid. Like I was, co I, I was contracting, I was earning my money. You know, I wasn't like, I'd flown all over the world. I'd worked in different countries, you know, I'd managed teams internationally and all of this stuff. Right. So yeah. I was doing all right. Thanks. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. you seem as though you've got it all together as well. So how do they start to come in and infect us <laughs> that's what i like i don't know how else it, but art. it's like a, infecting us like a cancer and growing all over us and like yeah how does that start yeah it starts it starts in the micro you're right like a cancer in the cells it starts very micro it's again like i said at the beginning they make you feel amazing yeah. right they take all of your strengths and they pump up your strengths and then it's and sometimes they do it unconsciously. So I don't want to make it sound very malicious. This is just like the strategy strategy that they've learned subconsciously. Some of them do do it maliciously. Some of them, it's like a subconscious. They do this with everybody. So they pump you up and then it starts with tiny little micro controlling. 
like tiny little microaggressions about um, the way that your nails look possibly. Like if you're so busy or and your nails start to chip and you're like, I know I need to go get a manicure, whatever. Or you like red versus French. They'll start to like put little tiny seeds like, oh, you know, you know, your nails, like your fingers and your hands look so beautiful, you know, it would look even more amazing is if you had pink and white or like yeah. if you had French nails or whatever. Or like for mine, it was like, you know, pretty much just look like my mom, but it was always these tiny little micro things. And it, to give you an example, I felt like I was being welcomed into the club, but he was strategically planning this event. So there was this awards night and he's like, oh, come over, meet my mom and my grandma. So he brought me over to his mom's house. I thought, wow, this is exciting. Sat me in between them. They are literally tall, like supermodel, perfect oh, wow. hair, perfect nails, perfect makeup. And we're watching this award ceremony and he's sitting on the sofa on the other side on his phone. And as I think about it, hindsight, I'm like, he planned this out. No, he did not want to really be there, but he did because he had an agenda. And the agenda was a makeover on me, the granola girl, the next day. And it was all like, I chose it. I wanted it. But I was planted into the situation to want it and to choose it because he he picked at my most vulnerable insecurities. Wow. And they find that through having these really heart-to-heart conversations. And then they use that against you. And they start planting the seeds of, like, this is your most vulnerable weakness here. Okay, well... Here's how I can fix it for you. But it's really not fixing, it's controlling you. And that's not for them to fix either, right? Like these are your own insecurities and your own journey. So did you, I know in hindsight is a wonderful thing, but did you, because I think back and I go, oh, red flag, should have like cut that off straight away, red flag. Did you actually see red flag because I saw red flags right and I went oh I don't know if I necessarily like that not sure I like that not sure I'm comfortable with that but just got more and more involved and then suddenly got pregnant and I'm like oh I'm really in this now and I I wasn't sure whether I was gonna stay with this like I was like I'm not sure and but we'd already had a conversation around having a child because I was getting up, I was getting older and he had said, well, do you want a child and all of that, which was <laughs> maybe that narcissistic conversation is, do you want a child, blah, blah, blah. And I, he knew I wanted a child and that was my weakness, I suppose. Um, and he sort of said, well, if you want a child, why don't we start? Why don't we start trying? Because you, you it might not work for you, right? You might need help or whatever. Um, so why, and so, because that was the, well, that was the catch, wasn't it? He's now got me for until my child yeah. is 18, right? But yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just yeah, frightening. Totally. And yet all of that came back on me where I was told that um, his that family. You wanted it. Yeah. You trapped me. My family thinks mm. you trapped me because you wanted a child and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh <laughs> Well, it, this is a this is definitely a horrible dungeon that I'm sitting in, but I'm not sure I wanted to yeah. trap you into having a child, right? I'm, there's no manipulation from my part, but yeah. yeah. So did you yeah. see so red he, flags? He did. Um, I was so young. I did not. I was naive oh. in the dating realm. I did not see them. And even hindsight, I see them, yes. But thinking back that young, I was so desperate for love and affection. And I thought because... I felt like they were a safe family from the church and all that. 
and they were very prestigious, so I didn't see the red flags um, probably until it just started to not feel fun anymore when we were living together, and it was like a chore. So it was like a chore to keep up everything, like my appearances. It was a chore to keep up being the fun girl, you know, and bring home my paycheck to pay for all of the alcohol he wanted, you know what I mean? So it was like, um, that's when it started to become a chore. And that's when I started, like, I think I moved out multiple times in the last half of our relationship. So like the last four years, that's when it was like, no, this isn't, this isn't good. But why, if, if you moved out multiple times, why did you keep going back? I felt very connected to him through the heart. I felt like I was overreacting in our arguments. And I felt like um, that we could resolve it every time. I felt like, oh, well, I must be the immature one because this is my first ever real relationship with the guy. So, you know, this must be how it goes. You know, I didn't really know any better. So this, I didn't know yeah. that like well, yeah, when you have that's... an argument, there should be reciprocity and like, the other person expresses how they feel and apologizes also, right? Like, so if you come into an argument, you say, this is how I felt, right? You made me feel this. I'm really upset. You know, I'm sorry for my part. And then the other person should, and this is a healthy, this is a red flag and signal, is do the same thing. Like, yeah, I know I felt this and this, and this is really what triggered me. And I'm really sorry that, that I did this, right? Two people are coming together. But it was never like that with him. He was always like, he would take me on a walk and it'd be like an hour and a half conversation about how, like, literally, I don't remember the conversations because they were so ethereal. Yeah, and, so like, it many. And my brain around in so many different gymnastics, like trying to figure out what I could do to fix it. And that's all he was ever trying to do. He never said, I'm responsible for this. Hey, I shouldn't make you drink so many drinks or whatever. Like, let's just like, find a solution together. Never it was. It was never that. It was always like, oh, well, let me buy you a pair of high heels. Let me, you know, buy you flowers to make sure you stay all the time. But it wasn't like he went to the store to buy them. He just like did a subscription and he forgot about it, you know, like just to keep me in it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, that's why I kept going back because I really felt like we could fix it. And we were just really young and immature or he was really young and immature. So, yeah. And um, also, I, like, was there um, addiction within all of this? Did was he? Did he have an addiction at all? Alcohol for sure. Or was that al- the alcohol? I can't confirm about uh, porn, but possibly, but definitely alcohol. Well, yeah, like, mum was alcohol um, as well, um, and it is funny because there is an ad- addict cycle where you know, they get caught and they go, oh, you know, and they feel really guilty and they're never going to do it again. And they go, I'm really, really sorry. I'm going to go and get help. They go and get help. So they, you know, they might go to a 12-step program or they go to a counsellor or whatever, and they do that for a couple of months. And then they start to expect, well, I've been a good boy or, a you know, good person for a few months. So I should be getting rewarded for this, right? I should be getting, but they don't actually understand that all of the trust and everything has been destroyed. And a couple of weeks or a few months of being a good person doesn't make you build all that trust back, right? right? It takes, a, you know, years, some t- cases, right? Mm. And so therefore, and it's also not about 
oh, I'm going to appease you a couple of months later, you're going to, you know, reward me. And then, and so when they don't start getting that reward um, and they're expecting to be rewarded, they then start to emotionally stack within their head. So they go, oh, she's never going to, she's never going to accept me. She's never going to trust me. Oh, what's the point? Oh, it's always going to be like this, blah, blah, blah. So they're emotionally stack, emotionally stack to be able to then abuse again mm-hmm. right so they're giving themselves reasons to then use the drug of choice yeah. to and 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 i and i and it's a it's a cycle that addicts go through and and we, we also get involved in and go through because we believe them and then a few months later it all goes pear-shaped because then we catch them again and you go through that cycle and it's only when you can break that cycle and go no enough is enough that you can actually take yourself out of that abuse as such um because it is like a roller coaster for you as a as the person sitting there and and you're enabling them basically as well so yes and even the emotions right that is an addiction as well like i've heard from self-aware narcissists talk about this where the chase let's say they're cheating like it's always like this emotional high to be able to control to be able to win to be able to kind of get the catch and even if it's that one same person right you keep leaving they keep catching you you know it's like catch and release like that's just the emotional addiction of that cycle and for let's say on my receiving and the empath it's just that emotional addiction of feeling loved again right it's like feeling but the love is always was was always outside of me so Therefore, I was addicted to the external love. Oh my gosh, he loves me. Like he's getting me all these flowers all the time. I feel so loved. You know, the getting love bomb, taking me out to dinners, to vacations, and then the abuse happens. It's like, well, then you put up with the abuse and you're like, nope, this is not right. Okay, I finally see it. You leave and then they love bomb you again. So it's like the, you're addicted to that cycle too. Like that is all you know. And that's not really healthy. It's not the way. And so you have to be able to break break the cycle and find the love within yourself. So you're not addicted to anybody outside of yourself. You know, you don't need any love, even with your, in your healthy relationship. That's just a bonus. But you have to start to love yourself within yourself first. Yes. And, and, um, and you have to take a, you have to take a step back. Like I don't, I don't, like I don't, I know you've you've got the podcast and you you help people deal with the trauma of all of this. You know you try and like help and coach people um, into getting the narcissist out of their life, out of their family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yeah. I've read several books on it and things like that. But it, like, yeah, it's just having to heal yourself and take a step back and go okay because i've i've seen and i know people who just then would dive out of that relationship go on the dating apps and just go and find somebody else right because and they're you just looking go for and, love outside of themselves yeah but exactly and i like sit there and i go like i i haven't looked for and i do not want a relationship right because i'm yeah. very happy <laughs> with me right it's yes. like and i sort of find and it's sort of bizarre and I, it'd be interesting to see what you think because there are times where I go, I don't want a relationship because I feel as though I'm controlled in a relationship, which is the narcissistic stuff. So mm-hmm. I go, I don't want that. I'm more than happy to just be me, thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't need all the hassle of the relationship. I don't see a relationship as a partnership. 
I see it as some way that somebody would be controlling me or just putting constraints on the life that I lead that I wouldn't, I, that I don't want there. So I've probably got still some lots of work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be, it could be traced back to what you witnessed in your childhood or what you felt was the definition of love in your childhood. And so therefore you see it always as that. And then you had this relationship that then just affirmed what your belief was. And you're like, see, there it is. Everyone's controlling, right? Yeah. <laughs> no need for love. I'm fine. Perfectly myself. Yeah. Which is a, a really good place to be for the healing. Cause you, it's, it's hard to heal when you've got all the other complications or someone else controlling you. Um, yeah, but there are beautiful souls out there that don't control you, that give you all the freedom Yay. you want and support you and bring abundance of love within your life. So there's that too. Well, this was what I was going to ask. How do you heal from, how do you heal from a narcissistic? How do you stop that cycle? Uh, how do you stop attracting these narcissistic people, um, or addict, yeah. or addict, you know, mm -hmm. addicted people? Um, how do you stop it? How do you take that step back and how do you then get into a healthy relationship? And I know there's like three or four questions there, but let's start with how do you, how do you heal yourself? Yeah. Again, it goes back to that radical self-love and self-respect. So in order for you to get the distance longer than a week or two, you need like a couple months because the narcissist is really good about tricking you into pulling you in, putting on the mask for a week and then they drop it. Right. So you have to give yourself at least a three month break. And then at that point you'll be like, wow, this is wonderful. I want a longer break, you know, <laughs> and then I want a permanent break, but you have to um, also be strong enough to limit your contact with them because they will do all the things necessary to gain you back because you're the toy. They are literally upset throwing a temper tantrum that their toy is taken away and you're the toy. Unfortunately, you may have thought that you had a real love connection, a deep soul connection, that might have been, but that soul connection was to wake you up and say, hey, you've got healing to do, right? Yeah. And stop letting them treat you like a, a play toy. You are not a pawn in anyone's journey or life. You are a soul. You are here for a purpose. And I know you I know you talked about the fact that, you know, it's flowers and like they, they love bomb you and all of that stuff. But then when they actually realize, wow, they might not be coming back, then that's when the nastiness mm. starts and like, and it can go on not for weeks. It can go on for months and years mm -hmm. and I'm four years out and I still get the abusive text messages for a run of like blooming half an hour, an hour where I just look at the, look at the phone and I go and put it in the bedroom yeah. and I think, well, that phone can buzz away like it wants to. I'm not going to give any fuel to the fire and it can just stay there. And I, it, it doesn't affect me. That's what you have and to I do just... when you're co-parenting with them because you can't, you can't go no contact. So you have to gray rock the whole situation and just collect it as evidence for whatever may occur down the line. So like, keep on sending those texts. I'm going to put it under my pillow and just keep on going with yep, my life. Keep on screen saving <laughs> those messages. Yes. But that's, but it's right because you just don't know. Um, you just, I mean, and I've, I, to anyone who's in a um, relationship separation, right, whether it's good or bad, I'm just like, you keep saving it. Keep, at, like, you know, keep doing the screen saves and the abuse and, like, some of the abusive messages I've got when I read back and I just laugh at right. them now. But at the time were real triggers for me because I would really get, like, 
oh my god and you'd want to reply back because it, it's they know triggering. how to push your buttons they know how to get you pulled into the drama so that's your job first step in healing is to remove yourself yes. from the drama and do not let them push those buttons. Of course, they're going to push it. So do not reply to when they do push it. So find another good exactly. coping mechanism to get your frustration out. Leave your phone there. Go for a walk or run outside. Go garden. Go paint. Go cook. Whatever you can clean. Like anything to get that excess stress out. I bought a punch yes, bag. Buy a, yes, punch away. For the, and I bought a punch bag that was in the first couple of months. I was like, right, punch bag, attached it to my mm -hmm. roof. And... It was great, especially when it was PMT as well. I was like PMT and a punch bag. It was yes. brilliant. Put on some loud music, punch away. <laughs> that's, that's very healthy. Just that's awesome. Very healthy way to, to channel yeah. it. Put, well, a, put a picture maybe. of his face on. Yeah, you're not hurting anybody. It's a punch bag. It's fine. It's exercise. No, it's a punch bag. Exactly. <laughs> but you're probably going for a walk is maybe a little bit less violent, but you hey. know, hey. Well, it depends on, yeah, <laughs> if they're also triggering any PTSD, I always recommend walking because you have the left-right motion, which scientifically is proven to calm your nervous system, having the left-right, left, right. Oh, left, wow. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And that, well, and that's another thing, right? So it's, we haven't even touched on that, but like you can suffer from PTSD yes. regarding the whole situation and circumstance. Yeah. I mean, did you, did you I suffer? Did. Yeah, I had, I had wow. major, uh, PTSD attacks. I would smell something. I would hear something quite frequently when I first left. And then it got less and less, but it would still occur years later. And I would just like, I would not be able to breathe. I would start bawling. Sometimes I'd pull up the car off to the side of the road. I would feel my body like stretching and contracting and stretching and contracting. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt that when you have a really high fever, like at least for me, I experienced that. So yeah, it was really uncomfortable. I did not like it, but so the breathing and it is and normal, walking, right? It is normal to suffer PTSD. Yeah, it is because after these your, situations and circumstances, your body inside this situation with someone abusive is constantly on high alert. Your adrenals are always in fight or flight mode because you never know when they're going to wake you up in the middle of the night, or they're going to pick a fight, or they're going to say something. You know, like you just never know. And so they're very um, irrational. And so you are always like, and so when you're in that state of high stress, that is what then like kicks in the PTSD when you're out of it. Because you're like, my body doesn't know what to do. Like I'm so used to always being in fight or flight. So when you do have that trigger, it brings your body back into it because your body holds on to it longer your body holds the memories and the feelings longer. And so that's why there's a lot of different ways to heal through meditation, Reiki. Um, the EFT tapping is really great for PTSD, EMDR. Um, I didn't do it, but I had a, a gal I interviewed um, to do the EMDR. So many beautiful different modalities to get it out of your body and to help continue to release each layer and heal. Mm. And so how do you, so there's all of those sort of um, aspects as, that you can go and do, but like, do you need to then go and speak to somebody, get counselling and actually heal yourself that way? I would always highly recommend talking to a professional therapist, yes, um, because they can help guide you through it. Um, 
and also can be just help you stay out of it too, you know, because even then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having this panic attack. It must be because I'm not with them, right? That could be one reason that you go back. It could just be a reason where you stay away. It just depends on everyone's journey. So they're, they're skilled and they can recommend you to different healing modalities. You know, mine even recommended, we did a really fun painting exercise. She was a um, licensed um, social worker. And so she saw that I was very creative. I love to paint. And so she like brought in these supplies and I got to paint all of my horrid emotions out. And then I got to paint like my future, like this is now how I feel light and bright and free. And so there's all different fun little things that, that they can do, but highly recommend a professional therapist. And it's really funny because that's what I do. So I, if I get stressed, that's what I do. I paint, paint? and I, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I like doing, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's textural um, artwork and things like that. So, um, yeah, so it's all textural. So <laughs> I get stuff that you would fill cracks in walls with and I put that onto canvas and then try and paint over it and things like that. So, um, yeah, and I find it, I've just got into it. Cause I can't, but it's all abstract. I can't paint people for love and money. Don't ask me oh, to paint really a dog hard. or a, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, and these people who can um, do fantastic, you know, artwork on, you know, portraits and things like that. I go, well, I yeah. just, they're in a whole different league. Cause I, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> but you know, I'm more like Picasso's like, and I'm definitely yeah. not like Picasso, but I'm more like, you know, drawing a person with a nose on the side of their face. That's sort of a bit of a weird shape and stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's nice. not so, it's not the product it's the process it's the therapy no, exactly and, and i love time. it yeah. and i'm very tactile though so yeah. i i don't mind using brushes but i actually prefer using my hands mm -hmm. so it's really about putting it on with my fingers and my hands and using different um completely weird and wonderful leaves and sticks and things like that yeah. to actually draw the lines and stuff um instead of um, using the more traditional paintbrushes and things like knives. I like to spread mm -hmm. the paint on with a knife and stuff. It's very, it's like, it's great. Yeah. I, like if anyone's out there wondering what they need to do with their lives, <laughs> give a bit of painting a try. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's like find a hobby, right? Because what that's doing is the self care and the self love. And um, it's really fun. I write articles for my newsletter every month about different self care tips for each zodiac sign, because you might feel inspired to do something outside versus something inside and cozy, because it's now like this zodiac season or whatever. So, yeah. so what? So I'm a Libra then. So what tips would there be for me? Ooh, yes, the relational justice balance. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so air, is it air sign? Is it, it air an air sign? sign is it air we? sign? Yeah. yeah. So getting together, you know, with friends, you know. Um, calling very social calling them up very social but also having a balance so i would also say like balancing your me time and your social time yeah mm -hmm. wow look at that <laughs> i do like i must admit i do like my time on my own yeah there are times where i go oh i just don't want to do people today and and then there's other times where i'm like oh my god i've got to go out i need to like just talk <laughs> yeah. to somebody so yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So, okay, so how do we protect our kids, though? Because, like, mm -hmm. you've had your daughter, 
I don't it, it, I had, have, you, have you got is it just you and I your daughter? I have two and they're both not from him. So thankfully oh. I don't have any from him. So I was oh. able to go completely in no contact, but that did not leave me immune to his blackmailing and, and attacks, you know. So they all like to be vicious if you start talking about them, even when you don't reveal their identity. It's like, I know who you're talking about. And it's like, no one else in the world knows you or who I'm talking about. But yeah, I still do protect them. I don't, I don't post anything about my kiddos online just for that very reason. So I would also be careful, especially if you have this, like be careful about what you put out online. I mean, not even if you don't have a narcissist because there are people who take the photos of your children and then make fake accounts and then scam people with the photos of your children. And it's really scary now on the internet. But I, div I divulge on that topic. The, um, the things that I do to, to make sure that they're okay is I talk to them a lot about emotions, right? So I think for all of us, raising emotional, intelligent children is the key to break the cycle. So, you know, I don't, I'm not authoritarian. I'm very like co-creating in with my children and we have conversations about things at their, you know, intelligence level. There are, you know, um, expectations, right? Boundaries and consequences, like I'd mentioned before. Um, and so all those things, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when you, if you have to bounce your child back and forth from the household, you have to do an extra effort to just hold space for them because they're going to act up because they've literally come from a very chaotic house, right? And more than likely, it's going to be like the supply or the new boyfriend, girlfriend who's taking care of your child, not the actual, you know, narcissist, which kind of can be comforting, <laughs> but also it's not because it's just like this person. And so they're coming from this chaos. So holding space for them and develop like a routine of transition so that they can feel like, okay, like they're going to let stuff out with you because you're going to be the safe yes. space where they can. So continue to hold space for them without getting anxious or absorbing the negativity just be able to just keep shining your love and light onto them. You know, I do the Ho'oponopono prayer with my kiddos. Yeah, I agree because because you've got to stay really like I there was in the beginning there were times where my son would say something I go oh my god well that's yeah. not like that's not right that's not you mm -hmm. know and I would then say something right and I would challenge my ex-partner and and what I found was it then meant that my son would go oh I'm not going to tell mum that then because she's just going right. to react right and that's not going to be the best Back situation yeah. for me as the child because I've now got to go in two weekends time back again and right. mum's kicked off and so dad is going to kick off at me because it's not about dad kicking yep. off back at me yep. as the adult dad will then punish yep. the child right so it's the child's fault. It's that blah, 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 right? Um, and so I had to mm -hmm. take a step back and go, okay, I can't react and go, what the, rah? but I have to sort of go, okay, thank you for, thank you for telling me. I really appreciate that. And then I have to go, okay, so how did that make you feel? If I can go down that avenue, he's a boy. So feelings are like, okay mm -hmm. for him, but sometimes it's too much. And so he goes, I don't want to talk about it, mum. And so you have to go, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll give him time to process and then yeah. I might get it out of him playing Lego later. And then it's around, well, okay, what could you do 
in this situation and also saying, is there anything you want me to do mm -hmm. to help you? Because yeah. there might be that he goes, no, I'm good, mum, I'm good. And you have to respect him for that, right? And like, you know, um, and just say, well, look, if you do want me to do anything or you need to talk to me about anything, I'm here, just let me know, right? When you're ready, just talk to me and sort of give him that space to deal with and process what he needs to deal with and process because it's pretty full on. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And it's a lot for the them to. You've take got to on. protect them, mm -hmm. and so and it is all about the like for me how I stopped the pattern was I went okay it's all about my child so as much as I want to lash out and go no you're wrong or that's unjust or whatever to the ex partner it was like no 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 is it healthy for my child to stop him seeing his dad well no. It's not. So he can still see his dad, but there are boundaries to set around that. It always goes back to boundaries. And it's funny how, like, we can set boundaries so easily for our children, but we need to set boundaries for ourselves too. Let's say there are no children in there, but, or there are, like, set them for them and then set them for you, you know, and be that, be that parent for yourself. Cause you do have a little inner child in you too. And it's hurt and wounded and you're trying your best. So, you know, be that grown adult for your inner child and set those boundaries also. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, look, if people want to know, uh, your podcast is out there. Yeah. They can just search it on anywhere else that people want to go for podcasts yeah, on. Pretty much anywhere. Anywhere you well, Anywhere, streaming. isn't it? Apple, Spotify, yeah. everywhere now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The so, um, the podcast is Empath and the Narcissist. Yes. That's the name of it. So yeah. that's cool. And then if somebody wants to, like, if somebody wants to find out more, get your book or whatever. I mean, your book is out everywhere as well? Or is it just on? It's on Amazon and Audible. Mm -hmm. Oh, you recorded I it recorded as well. It. Fantastic. Yes. So it's... God, I'm addicted to Audible. But, yeah. Um, and then, like, do have you got a website or anywhere that people can actually go to that, like, they can, if they want to contact yeah, you? Find me or... at yeah ravenscott.show and you can also contact me on instagram at ravenscottshow wow fantastic fantastic look thank you yeah. so much it's so nice to speak for me it's so nice to speak to somebody who's been through this although i wish that I, both of us hadn't been through it I know. but <laughs> it's sort of part of our journey i suppose part of our way of going you know you still need to do this work on yourself um yeah, look, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing your story with us. Um, and it's great because I get to talk to somebody who's been through exactly the same as me. So I go, yeah, I know what you mean. It's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I feel sane now. I don't feel I'm like the only one out there. You are not I crazy know, oh, and you are not alone. <laughs> oh, there are so, like, there are so many of us. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. I mm -hmm. agree. So, look, one final question. If you had to recommend to my listeners a book that you've read, um, like what, we, and it can't be your own one, so sorry, but we do recommend that anyway. Um, <laughs> what book would you recommend and why? What's coming to my mind right now is Maiden to Mother by Sarah Durham Wilson. Ooh. She's also, it's also on Audible. Yeah. I literally listened to it, I think, in two days. Um, it, because it helped me transition, like I was talking about mothering your child within yourself. 
is transition from this immature, still holding grudges, still being like comparing and looking for love on the outside. Even though I had gotten over that with my love life, I also was still doing it in familial relationships. And so once I read that, I just had this amazing aha moment. I put myself through my own little maiden to mother ritual. I said, we're releasing all that. And I really stepped into my motherhood and it was life-changing this last certain uh, a weekend ago where I would have been on my knees bawling and with certain things that happened with my family. And I didn't, I was so at peace with like, it is what it is. The bar is lowered. I'm, I'm transitioned. I am my mother now. I don't need them. And so, yeah, that's, that's the one that's really helped me the most. So many amazing books that helped me in my journey, but that's the latest and the most impactful. Oh, I agree. I mean, and like, and Audible, and I, this is an, this is not a paid advert for Audible. I just love <laughs> Audible. So if you're out there, guys, I could really do with some money. So this, you yes. know, it would be great for you to start sponsor the podcast. But hey, uh, but Audible I find is great because as a single parent, I can be cooking dinner and I can be listening to a book, or exactly. I can listen to a book while I'm like watching my son play soccer or whatever. Um, And I can, you know, and so I'm listening to a book while I'm watching him run around and he still thinks I'm giving him the attention, but I'm sort of doing a double, I'm doing a double one. So it's great. So, you know, yeah, it's multitasking as single parents. That's what we have to do. Multitask. So yeah. Yeah. So Audible is great because I don't have to sit there and flick through pages and actually read words. Somebody (laughs) reads it for me and I can then get on with other stuff. So, yeah, no, I I agree. Look, Raven, thank you so much again for coming on board. Um, It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And have a fantastic rest of your day. You too. Happy Friday. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.